get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast right around the world, a very warm welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. I'm your host, Gary Lowe. This week, I was in South Australia in downtown Morfitt Vale. Someone came up to me and asked, hey, what's the name of the podcast? And I said, the Yellow Ball Podcast, get involved. Well, 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 we are getting towards the pointy end of the 2019 National Indoor Cricket League season, boys and girls, and it is heating up, I can tell you that. Uh, There's already plenty of teams from the regions all over the country that have decided who will be representing them at the 2019 National Indoor Cricket League Finals Championships that are being held at Action Indoor Sports in Toomble. So once we've got a full team list uh, of who's competing, once that comes to hand, uh, then we'll go through it all and make those teams be known. But of course, there's still many regions that are still fighting it out and jostling for positions to see who's going to be crowned champion for their particular region. Now, on the way in, just to finalise the podcast, the good good majority of this podcast is actually uh, done directly after the live stream um, games uh, while it's still fresh in our mind, but there's some parts that need to be done at a later stage. And, of course, Cricket Australia likes to uh, have a listen and make sure that we're not saying things that we shouldn't. And um, there's something that come to hand today, which is the Monday, and uh, we were on the Kate, Tim and Marty Nova Drive Show, I've been told. Now, I haven't heard it yet, and I'm still waiting for their podcast to come up. Just to give you an idea, the Kate, Tim and Marty Nova Drive Show. Um, It's got viewership or listenership, I should say, of over like a million people. Goes every single major capital city and all the regional ones as well. So... If you heard us there on uh, Nova's Kate, Tim and Marty, well, that's wonderful. Hopefully it was, uh, it was glowing. I heard that um, Tim Blackwell and, and Martin Sheargold had a, a light uh, ribbing of indoor cricket but also talked about it in a nice way. So it's good to get that out and about. Just thought I'd mention that one. This week we cover all the action from the NICL live-streamed round played between the Victoria Point Vipers and the Toowoomba Dragons, which was played out at Victoria Point. The commentary team this week consisted of myself, Katrina Teske and Stephen Mogg. And as always, Katrina and Stephen were a fountain of knowledge and provided brilliant insight into the game. We've had a massive response from last week's episode, uh, can I just say as well, uh, in particular, uh, Brenton Bryan's interview that was conducted by Stephen Mogg, or part one at least. Uh, I know that everyone's hanging out for the second one, so that'll be dished up on today's episode. Uh, Also stopping by into the studios uh, this evening, uh, we have Emily Valance, so a a super mega talented uh, young lady who's competing at the national championships in the open women's division and has been selected for the 21 and under Australian side. A very humble young lady she is, and we certainly look forward to hearing her thoughts on her journey thus far. Her mum and dad, uh, who is Craig and Beryl, will also be coming in. And I also just want to highlight next week, uh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I've obviously got this week to churn on through, but next week is going to be a bumper week, a massive week, in fact, where we've got Brianna Binch, the World Indoor Cricket Federation's Vice President and the Indoor Cricket Manager at Cricket Australia. She will be stopping by the show next week. So prior to her arrival, we've put the feelers out into the indoor cricket community and asked for all sorts of questions to come in. And boy, oh boy, have you responded and in a very big way. So we really thank Brianna Binch from Cricket Australia um, for her agreeing to coming on the show and, of course, to 
the governing body itself, Cricket Australia, because um, it would have been extraordinarily easy for them just to decline the offer and say, uh, thanks, but no thanks, but we don't want to be putting ourselves into that kind of precarious position. So um, they've agreed, and I'm absolutely sure that they're going to be expecting some pretty big questions to come their way. And uh, I can tell you, um, give you the inside gossip, some really interesting questions are coming that's going to certainly challenge um, Brianna Binge, I'm sure. Um, but uh, you're going to get some good responses and some information that uh, you desperately want to hear. I'm certain, I'm 100% certain. So definitely um, come on in next week. And uh, finally, the Caboolture Snakes up in Brisbane's north. They're having a presentation night in a couple of months' time. Uh, I don't think they've fully finalised that date yet, so I won't start talking out of shop and, and blurting out things I'm not 100% on. However, if you would like to know more about their presentation dinner, certainly jump onto their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kabulcha Indoor Sports. Drop them a message. I'm sure um, they would be more than happy to oblige with any information they have. Again, I don't think they've got the dates up yet, but it's happening. It's in a few months' time, so get ready for that. All the Kabulcha snakes out there. Um, I'm actually going to be the master of ceremonies uh, for that event, so I'm very much looking forward to it. And if you're holding a, a presentation function and you're looking for an MC, I'd love to be involved. You know, I love my indoor cricket and uh, the MC stuff that I do. So drop me a line at uh, facebook.com forward slash Gary Lowe MC. Now that I've just absolutely shamelessly self-plugged myself and I feel a bit dirty for doing it, but um, there it is. Let's get into the episode proper of the Yellow Ball Podcast. Cricket, the classic Aussie game that we love to play anywhere we can. The beach, the backyard, the local park, and if you're lucky, the MCG. It can even be played indoors. Indoor cricket is a fun, social and quick game that can be played all year round. And it's for kids and adults of all abilities. You only need teams of six or eight and everyone bats and bowls. Join an existing competition or start your own indoor cricket team. Visit playcricket.com.au you to find out more. This week we're going to start with the men's division from the Southeast Queensland NICL where it came down to the very last ball with Victoria Point 73 defeating the Toowoomba Dragons 64. In the words of Robbie Williams, let me entertain you. And here it is. First delivery and it's a wicket. Oh, talk about entertainment. It is entertainment plus, baby. This is 2019 National Indoor Cricket League on a plate, and it is delicious. A uh, big start for the Dragons. That's exactly how they'd want to start. Uh, perfect delivery there from Moss. Very good young player, and he bowls really, really well. So, look, uh, Jamie might be a little disappointed about that, but it's always tough, that first ball. But Toowoomba up and about. Stephen Mogg and myself had the pleasure of commentating this game and the umpire was Tim Lee. Tim Lee officiated both games, in fact, both the women's and the men's division. Did a wonderful job. Congratulations to umpire Lee. Uh, I really love watching the NICL on the live stream at home. I, um, I mirror it from my iPad onto my television and watch it in my living room. Uh, but I tell you what, there is nothing as good as being in the actual center and watching it in front of your own eyeballs. It is brilliant. I really enjoyed uh, myself at Vicky Point. They're wonderful hosts as well. Um, but just the atmosphere of uh, the indoor sports center, I think you can't match it. So if you ever have a chance and you've got um, a National Indoor Cricket League or, or a major league uh, game happening in a center near you, I thoroughly encourage you to get down there, buy a beverage or two, get a couple of dim sims in here. Uh, you'll have a lovely time. Stephen Mogg is our man on the ground capturing the post-game interviews. So uh, over to you, Moggy. 
and uh, thanks to yeah, Gary Lowe. I've now got the uh, captain of the KNR Plumbing Toowoomba Dragons, Lyle Teske, with me. Lyle, very close game tonight. Yeah, it's always a good game between Victoria Point, mate. Um, you know, a few things go all the way in the close ones, and unfortunately, it didn't go our way tonight. But they're a good side, they're a quality bowling unit. So, well, Lady Bell. Yeah, look, there was a few momentum shifts through the game at times. You know, both teams looked to have the ascendancy and both teams kept digging deep. And I guess, you know, both teams are in the top four and going to play some finals. That's a really positive sign for some good cricket to come. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and as your point there, I think Victoria Point won more of the, the pressure situations and that got them over the line, whereas um, our young fellas sort of couldn't quite grasp those little little moments. Um, but, yeah, as, as the quality of cricket, it's going to be fantastic for finals. Absolutely. And, look, that's a key note tonight. Uh, I know you and I talked a bit earlier in the night, and, and you mentioned this is perhaps one of the youngest teams that the uh, Dragons have put out for some time. It's good to see these young guys coming through. Oh, absolutely. Um, we're ecstatic with our young group coming through to make finals this year with you know, guys like Troy Gursky and Brent Story not playing. Um, these young fellas coming through, they're only going to get better for the experience. So, uh, for the future, it looks pretty good for us. Yeah, it was. Some... What's things that you really liked about your performance tonight as a team? I just think the way we gutsed it out, you know, um, getting into positions where we were under the pump and then still producing, like, the first pair coming out under the pump early, eight after two, I think they were, and then end up hitting 29. So I think little moments like that is, is big for us and our team moving forward. So if there's anything you think you need to work on to, to get that little better, that take, the, to take the next step, what would you work on? I think it's our consistency, you know, the young fellas' consistency with the ball, like getting a wicket and then probably bowling a wide or bowling two or three bad balls. You know, we get a pair under under pressure early and then we let them off for the two overs or something like that. You know, it's like this, the second pair, I think, we had them at five or six after two overs and hit 28. So just little moments like that we can really work on and when you get a pair down, you try and really consolidate that pair. Well, thanks for your time, Lyle. It's been a great game tonight here at Action in North Sports Victoria Point. Came down to the wire. Excellent result. Really looking forward to the finals to come. Thanks, mate. No worries. Thank you, mate. I have the victorious captain with me, Jamie Stewart. Jamie, welcome. G'day, mate. How you going? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh, really close game. What did you think of the game? <laughs> it was a good one, wasn't it? Um, you always like having those, those last ball games going down to the wire. It's, it's pretty exciting stuff, but heart in my mouth for a little while there. But it was good the boys come home with the win. Yeah, look, it's an excellent result. Now, that probably secures a top two for you. We'll come to that in a second. What do you think is some areas that uh, the Vipers did particularly well in tonight? Oh, the boys dug deep. Um, it's crucial when you lose an unfortunate wicket or one or two starts to go, it's easy to drop your head and just go to absolute crap. But <laughs> um, The guys dug really deep. They put in the efforts, and it was great. Yeah, look, it was an excellent result. And at times early in that... Uh, the bowling innings in particular are under a fair bit of pressure, but you're stuck with it, which is good to see. Are there areas, do you think, that the Vipers can work on moving forward? Oh, definitely, mate. Um, I mean, batting was... It was actually really good to see, like, with the boys struggling and whatnot, but um, definitely bowling in the right areas, just getting consistent balls in the right spot and creating some pressure, something that we want to work harder on moving forward. Um, fielding's gone pretty well, I think. The guys did really well in their respective spots, so just work on not letting them get on top of us with the bat, um, and we'll be fine. Yeah, so look, obviously we've definitely secured uh, a top four finish, and depending on another result, but that result looks pretty good. Um, it'll require the uh, Turnbull team getting up pretty much 7-0 now. So got the finals to look forward to, so what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks? Uh, a lot more training. <laughs> um, 
look, the guys, we'll just keep doing what we've been doing. We've been training hard and working hard in our in-house games. Putting, everyone's putting in the effort, so um, the rewards are starting to show. So um, a bit more hard work to go for the last, well, hopefully four or five weeks and um, come away with some chocolate. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for your time and a fantastic game of cricket. Back to you, Gary. Yeah, look, some interesting points raised by Lyle Teske in regards to the youth of his team. The younger guys coming through uh, are obviously full of talent, but experience is something you can only acquire through time. Um, They're a real deadly side at the moment, so it's scary to think how strong they're going to be in a few years' time once that experience begins to creep in. Um, if they can all stick together, of course. It's also important to note that Jeremy Crichton was unavailable for selection during this game, uh, and he regularly bats with Lyle Teske, uh, his partner. So that probably took just something a, a little bit away from the Dragons' attack. Um, the Dragons created uh, an extraordinarily huge amount of third ball opportunities, 11 11 third ball opportunities, which is brilliant. Um, I'd usually expect to see in this type of division somewhere between three to possibly five third ball opportunities a game, just to give you some kind of context. So 11 demonstrates how they were not only able to deliver the dot balls, but able to do them with reasonable consistency with getting them two times in a row. However, their conversion of the third balls was slightly uh, not as good as what I'm sure they were hoping. Two out of 11, in fact. So I'm sure that'll be something they'll be talking about at their toolbox meeting or at their next training session to try and get those numbers up a little bit. On the flip side of the coin were the Vipers, who showed bucket loads of character while batting. Um, To put it into perspective for you, the first over of the first three batting partnerships all ended up scoring negative scores. So that's overs one, overs five, and overs nine. And that first over of the batting partnership is crucial, really sets the tone um, for that set of four. So to go out there and come out with negative in the first overs, um, real tricky to come back from that, but they did it. They did it in sterling fashion. Uh, so I thought that's a real testament uh, to the Vipers' attack. Um, Josh Guy and Lockie Shine for the Vipers uh, in the third batting partnership. Uh, they did try very hard, but the Dragons were just devastating. So in that third batting partnership for the Vipers, the Dragons managed to construct 10 dot balls and take three wickets. So that's minus 15 runs from 13 balls, which is over half the time that that batting partnership is out there. So they didn't get the score they kind of wanted, the Vipers, in in that stanza. Um, Can I say that Jamie Stewart uh, for the Vipers was brilliant with the ball in hand? Uh, the Dragons were only able to hit two balls from his 12 deliveries for actual runs, and he cleaned up Daniel Ost with uh, the first two deliveries. Bold, bold. Thank you very much. So although the Vipers only got five in their third batting partnership, the one we just talked about, um, they actually somehow got the skin. The Dragons um, were kept to minus two in the third, so well done to the Vipers there. Um, the game ended up coming down to the last couple of deliveries, a no ball too high on the second last delivery by Chris Wayne, Almost allowed the Dragons a chance to steal the match with Jaden Teske needing five runs to win from the last ball. But instead, it turned out to be a wicket and the Vipers snuck home in an absolute thriller. So heading into next week's prelims, which will be taking place in Ipswich, the top four teams competing and still alive in the South East Queensland National Indoor Cricket League Division are on first position, the Victoria Point Vipers on 42 points. Second position, the Strathpine Boroughs on 40 points. 
Third position is the Toomble Tigers on 38 points. And in fourth is the Toowoomba Dragons on 34. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. The women's division was also played between the Vipers and the Dragons. The Dragons came into this match having lost every single game this season. And to 100% assure themselves of a finals berth, the Vipers needed the win. I won't go into the maths too deep because... I'll be here for years if I did, but that was essentially the equation. The Vipers win, they're guaranteed a spot in the top four. Can I just say before I read the score out that I tipped the Dragons in this match and I'm absolutely chuffed with myself. They'd lost all six games coming into the match and they'd only won five skins all season. And I thought that just tonight could have been the Dragons' night. I think during the call I said this could be the evening where the sheep savages the butcher, and it's exactly what happened. I thought the Dragons coming into it, they've got absolutely nothing to lose. Perhaps maybe the Vipers underestimating the Dragons' outfit, um, and also the Vipers perhaps maybe a little bit tentative and some nerves creeping in because they know that winning was a really important part of them going through into the vinyl series. I think I said vinyl series. I did. I'm getting a nod from um, podcast producer Juzzy, so I'll just correct that. The finals series. Thanks, Juzzy, for picking me up. Um, Katrina Teske caught up with both captains after the game, so we'll head down to Katrina. Thanks, Loie, and I'm here with Wendy Kemp and Megan Dixon from the Vipers. I've just played the Dragons in the NICL last game of the season. How are you feeling, girls? Oh, yeah, not great. Obviously, a, a hard loss to take, but um, I think one that we can really learn from and develop from there. We had a lot of inexperienced players tonight I would say we're missing um, a few other girls from up north Samantha Dixon she uh some would say she's the glue that holds our team together because <laughs> well she would say so but yeah no so we're missing a fair few players tonight so it's been a tough game yeah obviously it wasn't the result we were looking for tonight particularly with how close the competition is I think it probably really displays the quality of competition in the NICL, especially in the Southeast Queensland division, that any team can win on, on the day. So um, that's been highlighted tonight. And congratulations to the Dragons. I think they really put a performance together that they should be proud of. They really out enthused our side and really got around the court, and it was good to see. And you're right, Kempi, it's been a, um, a, dif- a, a different season, I guess, for NICL and the ladies in Queensland with all the teams kind of matching each other. Um, I think this loss kind of puts you guys on the on an even keel with Strathpine. You're waiting on a result tonight. Will you be watching and waiting for that result? Uh, yeah, obviously been doing the maths behind the scenes. I think we might be three points ahead with them, obviously, a game in hand now. So um, they're up against Toomble, the defending champs. Um, I know Jude's up and about for the game, so look, it's out of our hands now. We, we unfortunately made that decision by the way we performed tonight, and we'll just sit back and see what happens. And what do you think about the ladies' comp in Queensland, Wendy? Uh, like I said before, outstanding. Um, it's putting us in a really good position moving forward for national um, titles, and I think that's, that was on display this year. I know with the Open Ladies team, um, the youth we've got to pick from, it's just there's an abundance of it and the depth of players that are coming through. So it's making my job really, really easy. Yeah, it's exciting times in Queensland seeing all these young girls come through. Meg's um, missing your sisters tonight, both Kat and Sam. I'm sure you would have liked to have finished the season with them. Um, will they be coming back to play for Victoria Point again next year, do you think? Uh, I hope so. Um, Sam's actually moving to Brisbane, so she'll be here more like every week. So it'll be good to have a um, permanent player, but then we've got to mix with points. So I guess 100-point cap. So we'll see what, we'll see how we go. 
Okay, that'll be exciting. So Sam being here next year is really going to help the Vipers. Uh, looking forward to the 2020 season. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with the scores tonight. I'm here at Victoria Point Indoor Sports with Peter Donovan and the Toowoomba Dragons have just had an excellent win over the Vipers in the NICL ladies game. Pete, how are you feeling? On top of the world, to be honest with you. It's been a long season for us. We fought hard from the very beginning to the end and it's good to see us get the result there at the end. Look, it was a great game to watch. I um, was commentating there. I have to tell you that uh, during the game, I definitely told Loi that I didn't think we were much of a chance from the Dragons. <laughs> so I'm sure coming into the game, you thought the same? I'm not going to lie. I did come here with a little bit of doubt. Um, our girls have worked hard um, throughout the season and it's been a tough season for us. But, yeah, I, didn't, <laughs> I really didn't have us in for a win there. So it's really good to go out there and just have it go our way. Um, we got wickets upon wickets and the ball just kept rolling rather than us sort of dropping as we have in our previous games and we just kept going on top of that so it was fantastic to see the girls starting to put that implement that to get in the game yeah look it was a great game pete really good for the young girls coming through um what do you think about the young team for the dragons oh so much potential there is so much potential there the more that we can keep them there the more they train the older they get the more experience they get they're just going to flourish and they're the they're the next Opens players for sure. <laughs> Look, it's exciting to see for the Dragons. Thanks for joining me. Um, welcome. Congratulations on the win at the end of the season and I'm sure you'll be watching the final series. 100% will we. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and it's back to you in the studio. Look, um, I really do love the Vipers, but I'm absolutely over the moon for the Toowoomba ladies. Seriously well done. You deserve the win uh, and it was just a beautiful overall team performance. Uh, the Dragons uh, are really investing in their future, as uh, we heard from Peter Donovan there with the interview with Katrina Teske. Um, and that, that team is just going to get stronger and stronger uh, as the years progress. And I wish them all the very best. I just love indoor cricket stories like that. Olivia Winter was amazing, uh, hitting 22 off her own stick and taking two for six with the ball. And uh, Ros Toner was pretty handy with the ball as well, grabbing three for minus two. The Vipers, the Victoria Point Vipers, were missing a, a, a Dixon or two. They had Megan Dixon there, but of course there's another couple of Dixons floating around who weren't playing. Um, and on paper, uh, even without um, the addition of the Dixon girls, um, the Vipers are just a, a much stronger team. So it wasn't that the Vipers played an overly poor game. It was just they ran into a Dragons outfit who turned it on and everything they touched turned to gold. Um, Meg Dixon and um, Cassie Veltheim uh, were the standouts, I thought, for their side. Uh, the Dragons took double the amount of wickets that the Vipers did, and that's really what it came down to, to in the end because a lot of the other stats were similar. Both bowled similar amounts of extras. Um, both teams, in regards to scoring shots of three runs or more, they were about the same as well. It just came down to pressure in the field and taking the opportunities when they presented themselves, and the Dragons were simply better at it than the Vipers on the night. I can report that in the other game that was important for the Vipers, so there was a Toomble Tigers and a Strathpine Burrows match that was happening pretty much at the same time as the live stream. So because the Vipers lost, they were sweating on the outcome of another game. But I can report the Toomble Tigers absolutely smoked the Strathpine Burrows, 131 to 19, and the Tigers picked up all four skins. Um, so that means that the Vipers were able to hold on uh, to fourth spot pretty comfortably there. So heading into next Saturday's 
prelims. As I said, the route at Ipswich Indoor Sports. Get out there. It's right next to the Greyhound track out there. Brilliant location. Um, there were four teams playing uh, in those games, and this is how it all ended up. On first position was the Springwood Scorpions on 36 points. Just one point behind on 35 in second position is the Toomble Tigers. Similarly, on one point below on 34. So how's that? First, second, third. 36, 35, 34, pretty close, um, was the Wynnum Seagulls. And as we've already covered, the Vipers will sneak into fourth position. So congratulations to all, especially the Toomble Tigers and the Victoria Point Vipers, who have teams in both the men's and women's division competing in the NICL SEQ finals. Good luck to all teams, and we'll just have to wait and see who will finish on top to represent their region in the final series on the first weekend in September. We interrupt this podcast for a shout-out to our indoor cricket sponsors. Sportscast, the official broadcast partner, and Burley Seacombe, the official ball supplier of the National Indoor Cricket League. Well, earlier on this evening, we had Emily Valance stop by the recording studios. Her mum and dad were also here, and um, it was... Really insightful to have a chat with her, of course, Emily Valance, the 17-year-old who resides in Caboolture and plays for the Strathpine Boroughs, hitting 99 runs this NICL season from seven games. And during the Opens National Championships, where she competed for Queensland, she scored 115 runs also from her seven games, putting her ranked 14th out of 53 athletes in her division. Not bad for a 17-year-old. Even better, can I say, she finished 8th in the batting averages. 16.43, 8 out of 53s, not bad. Just out there to prove, I guess, the 17-year-old, that the numbers on your birth certificate are no barrier to achieving greatness in this format of the game. Earlier on this evening, I caught up with the very humble, the very likeable Emily Valance with her mum and dad. Ladies and gentlemen, sitting across from me is Emily Valance, and we've moved into uh, a much more wider uh, area here at the radio studio. Usually we're quite cosy and um, in a recording booth much smaller than this, but we've got quite a cohort of people. We have Beryl and Craig Valance, who are the parents of Emily Valance. Emily Valance, thanks for joining the Yellow Ball podcast. It's all right. Thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem at all. And uh, I understand you've taken a, a night off work to be here. So Cricket Australia would like to give you a, a check for 10000 No, I'm no, no, that is not true. No. And um, yes, uh, I can say Beryl got very excited there. Unfortunately, <laughs> no check for $10,000 this evening, but thanks for coming along. Look, let's start where we start with almost every interview with everyone that comes on. Um, how did you first get involved with indoor cricket? When was it? How long ago was it? Where was it? All that good stuff. Yeah, well, I was eight years old when I first started playing. Mm-hmm. And how old are you now? I'm 17, turning 18. Sure. Um, it was at Caboolture Indoor Sports. Very short. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, it's interesting, you started off playing indoor cricket first and then moved to outdoor cricket. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And that's usually not the way that it operates. It's somewhat quite the opposite. So you're a bit of a funny old one in that regard. So you were playing indoor cricket. How did you then get kind of handballed across to the outdoor side of things? And who was the person in outdoor cricket who uh, kind of mentored you? Um, Well, I had a couple of guys because I used to play with guys in the team. So they all played outdoor and they all got me into it and said, I'll come play outdoor with us all and went and played under 14s, I believe. And um, the coaches actually wanted me to keep playing and said, okay. um, keep playing with us all and you're, ve- you're very well talented. Keep keep playing. They're all loving playing with you. So. And what was his name? Uh, Brett Lunt. Brett Lunt. And he, he's had quite a profound impact on uh, your development, has he? 
Um, no, we haven't spoken in years, mm-hmm. but we do speak every now and then. And he, he was the, the first coach that you had that helped you guide with that transition from indoor cricket to outdoor cricket? Yeah, he, yeah, he probably was, yeah. He had a son that played in team as well. So he was a bit of both indoor and outdoor as well. As I got to spend more time with Emily and, and seeing her play, you know, um, her toughness as a, as a player and as an athlete really stood out. Uh, at that time, she was playing in predominantly uh, male teams and and uh, in some of her competitions uh, in senior men team and uh, the number of occasions where I saw Emily you know, be put under a lot of pressure and, and maybe be physically uh, in a situation where it was uncomfortable. And she never took a backward step, uh, always, you know, took everything within a stride. I'm sure, you know, there were times when it might have been a little bit tougher, but um, Emily always came back for more and uh, never stood uh, back on a challenge. We've just heard from your very first outdoor coach. How does it make you feel to hear something like that from him? Actually very proud and I'm I haven't spoke to him in ages, so it's really good. And he is, I think, very proud is uh, a bit of an understatement there. And, you know, even going into the, the boys' teams, at the moment in representative level indoor cricket and outdoor cricket, wonderful pathways for female players and female-only sides. But in that early embryonic stage of your development, you did have to play a lot with the boys and in men's teams. How did you find that? Were you ever intimidated? Brett there talked about the challenges that you faced um, how did how did you tackle um, those challenges? Um, just learning from them, really, because um, they all teach me a lot as well. So learning from them was a big part of it, and um, they all um, got me used to that speed and got me used to the grade of that cricket, and from there just went from there. And something I find very interesting about you, you played in, and if I'm ever wrong, please correct me, you played in the under-17s Queensland side for five years, right? Yeah. So that's the same squad for five years, meaning that you were possibly 12 years old playing in an under-17s competition. You play in the open women's Queensland side at the tender age of 17. You have a history of playing in squads where you have absolutely no right to be there whatsoever, you ridiculous, crazy animal. (laughs) Um, You know, do you ever find intimidated when you come out on the court a 12-year-old playing in under-17s, a young girl playing in a men's or a boys' competition in outdoor cricket, a young 17-year-old playing in an open women's side for her state. Does that ever intimidate you when there's players on the court with more experience and are much older than you? Yes, definitely. I can always, they always expect me to learn from them and get better. So I learn, listen and do what I can on the court. And when you got the call up for that Queensland side in the open women's division, um, what was going through your mind? I was just so excited and had no <laughs> words of joy. <laughs> and, you know, you've still got quite a long way to go. Um, you were partnered with Julaine Carlson. She's cap uh, 60 for Queensland. You're cap 110. So there's been 50 Queensland players that have come and gone in that time. Um, what did you learn from Julaine Carlson? Um, just play your own game. Just play it ball by ball. And were you nervous playing uh, in that competition? Queensland, successful. They won back-to-back championships. Uh, you were a part of that squad. Live stream, big crowd, brand-new centre down there at KC. A lot of people watching. Uh, did you feel the weight of uh, expectation upon you? Uh, yes, a little bit, that I had to 
play at my best because I was on live stream and <laughs> <laughs> so everyone was watching. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, just I was a bit nervous, but once you got out there and started playing, it just went away, and you were just in the game. And the two people sitting next to you, your mum and your dad. Uh, dad at the moment, he won't be having a chat because he. Uh, he sounds like he's swallowed a couple of kilograms of gravel on the way in. He sounds uh, very nice. He'd have very beautiful vocal tones for the podcast, but he's, he's going to sit this one out. But your mum, Beryl's next. Was Beryl, thanks for joining the podcast as well. Thanks for having us. Not a problem at all. Uh, Emily Valance, tell me about these two characters. Um, do you love them? Do you like them? You're not too sure about them? You might stick around with them for a while. Um, and what kind of impact have they had on you, not only as a person, but also with your indoor cricketing career? Um, they've always been there for me, taking to games, taking me to games, taking training, just being there. It's, it's great to have them in the crowd. Emily's parents were always constant, uh, either at training or games, and uh, she was always so well supported. And uh, as a coach, you knew you could just uh, ask a little bit more in that environment because uh, having that level of support there um, meant that there was always somebody there to sort of guide Emily through any of the difficult situations or things that she didn't understand or felt uncomfortable about. So um, it was always fantastic to have them there um, to, to help and assist us. And, um, you know, being uh, the only female in male teams, you know, there's things that um, male coaches, you know, we're not always um, abreast of or aware of when it comes to female athletes in that environment. Um, so to have parents there supporting, it's a fantastic way for us as coaches to be able to um, use them as sounding boards and um, make sure that we're treating the athlete with the, the respect that they deserve and need. Beryl Valance, how does that make you feel to hear that you're, you're recognised from the wider cricket community for your efforts to, to Emily? That's awesome. Yeah, very proud. It's a, a big effort. It's a lot of commitment. Oh, yes. A lot of tears and stuff we've had. But it's all worth it. And you're getting a bit emotional <laughs> about it now. Why, why are you getting emotional? Oh, I don't know. Just proud. What is it about Emily that makes you so proud? What, what is it that she does that evokes those kind of feelings for you? I don't know. Emily's very humble, very shy. It's, I don't know. Just the talent that she's got. Just... I always say to her before she plays, just get out and do what you do best, Em. Play cricket. And you've facilitated that in a big way. Please don't be sorry. Um, you've facilitated that in a very big way. There's a, a, a big commitment uh, that both you make uh, as, as a mum and a dad. There really isn't anything that you wouldn't do for her, is there? Not at all. No. No, we've been fundraising. We've done this. We've done that. Yeah, weekends. Through the week, training Tuesday night, training Wednesday night, game Thursday night, do this Friday night, Saturday night games, oh, just goes on, <laughs> Sunday game. And and at the end of the day, let's face it, you're doing it so she can become a champion, mega rich and pay for houses for you in the future and make sure you never have to work again. Is that kind of the bottom line or yeah. basically something like that? <laughs> yeah, along those lines. Look, um, I think that's really cool that not only Emily acknowledges it, but also the coaching staff as well also acknowledges the commitment that you make. Um, parents, they do play a really pivotal role in the development, obviously, of junior cricketers. What advice would you give uh, to parents? Obviously, Emily is an exceptional talent. Uh, what advice would you give to parents uh, if they've got young uh, athletes coming up through the system? Just be there. Be there to support them. Yeah. Keep them keen. Let's go. Yeah. Give it your best shot. Yeah. 
And, and the thing is, what I've noticed is that you haven't said anything about runs, wickets, whatever it is. You haven't said anything about training. There's no pressure involved, it seems, with this family that it is very much participate, do your best, enjoy it, and then it'll flow from there. Yeah, I've always said as long as Emily comes off the court with a smile on her face, I know she's had fun, yeah. And at the end of the day, the smile's worth it. You know, come off, yeah, whether you win or lose, do you have fun? Yeah, that's the main thing. At what age did you know that Emily was going to be a pretty handy cricketer? Uh, um, 16? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When she Probably when she was selected for the under-17s, so, yeah, when she was 12. And, Emily, when did you realise that you were going to be a pretty good cricketer? I still don't know, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just keep playing my best and going up. Hopefully. And tell me, uh, your favourite player is Elise Perry. Yep. Are you the next Elise Perry? Let's see. Let's hope. Do you want to be? I do, yeah. What What is your end game for Emily Valance? Do you want to be an accountant? Do you want to be a professional cricketer? Um, what, what is it that you aspire to? Um, well, I haven't really decided at the moment, um, but I'll just see where it takes me and see where I go. And in terms of uh, cricket, uh, is it going to be an indoor path that you'll continue? Is it going to be an outdoor or will it be a combination of both that will still continue? Um, maybe just a combination of both at the moment and mm-hmm. then if I get selected an outdoor and maybe, maybe just down, down tone and the indoor a bit and then go to the outdoor. Yeah, yeah. And one of my final questions for you is what keeps you motivated? Um, it, it is very difficult to be at the top of your game. It is amazing that... I can't believe that you're 17 years of old. Not only, um, and it's on your birth certificate, but not only <laughs> the the way that you present, you are very mature physically. You're much taller than I am, um, you know, you, so you, you present uh, much older as well. You you don't speak like a 17-year-old. You speak like a young lady uh, in her early 20s. Uh, and the way that you conduct yourself on court, um, I look at you and I think she must be be nervous, but you cannot tell. I'll tell you, you'd be a very good poker player. You cannot tell, uh, and you seem very cool and calm out there. So um, I'm blown away that you're 17. If you keep this up, you could be something quite great and amazing. Do you ever get sick of people telling you that? At times a little bit, yeah, but yeah. You just kind of want to be one of the one of the girls, one of the, one of the girls in the team and just play your own role and let everything take care of itself? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Last question for you and I'll let you go. Tell me, five years' time, where are you going to be? Hopefully still playing cricket professionally. Hopefully. I'm hoping. Yeah. Just hoping? Not You don't sound so confident. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah. I'll put all the hard work into it and see where it takes. No worries. And uh, I promise this is the last one. Finally, what do you want to say uh, to your parents and to everyone that supported you? I know there's a lot of people within Queensland cricket that have invested a lot of time and effort uh, into seeing you succeed and still will continue. I think that's one of the very reasons why they've put you into that open women's squad is they see potential in you and they want to invest in the future and you are exactly that. So final thoughts, what would you like to say to all those people that have supported you over uh, the last couple of years? Thank you. Um, it's been a lot to me especially making the Opens team this year. Never thought I'd be able to do it this year, but, yeah, I'd just like to thank everyone, especially my parents. They've always been there for me.
Well, uh, we wish you all the very best. Thank you for coming in. It can be a bit scary talking into the uh, the, the big microphone here at, at the radio studio, but um, really appreciate the efforts of, of Craig and Beryl to, to bring you through. Thanks for taking the night off work. Sorry there's no $10,000 check from Cricket Australia for you on this occasion. And um, thanks for stopping by the Yellow Ball podcast. All right, thanks for having me. No worries. Are you interested in playing indoor cricket? Visit playcricket.com.au to find your nearest centre. So the second part of the two-part interview with Brenton Bryan has been eagerly awaited. As I said at the top of the show, we had massive feedback about part one. And last week, we left it on a bit of a cliffhanger. Not going to lie, we did it intentionally, so you'd come back this week and have a listen as well. So where we left it was Stephen Mogg asks a brilliant question of Brenton Bryan how he goes about selecting teams. We're talking rep teams from Queensland and Australia. So let's find out the answer. Making that next step to the Australian team, it's always uh, an honour for everyone. And, you know, I know at some point in time you had a lighthearted joke with me about, you know, you go to these tournaments, whether it be for a Queensland selection or Australian selection, and, you know, you go there with 30 friends and then by the end of the weekend you've only got sort of 12 friends. I mean, I know that's only a bit of a joke because, um, but, you know, people take it pretty seriously. I guess now's a good opportunity to ask and, and give the um, the listeners of the podcast some sort of idea of how you go about selecting a team. What's the process involved with selecting a rep team? Yeah, just, just before I get to that, you, you make a good point about the selections and, you know, I, I had a good chat with Ross Gregory about this a couple of weeks ago and, and he made a good point and, and it's something that you feel as a coach, especially at this level, you know each of the players have the same aspirations to make these types of teams and, you know, the hardest part of it is is leaving people out. And, you know, Ross, you know, put it really well. It just takes a piece of you each time. You know, each time you do it, it takes a piece of you. And eventually Ross had been doing it for 15 or 16 years and just said at the end he just couldn't do it anymore. It's, it's so hard and, you know, people don't probably give the credit that, that it is so difficult to be able to um, pick those sides and then obviously the people that you leave out, it really does affect you and it's it's not a it's not a fun time and it's usually my, my least favourite part of the tournament. Uh, even though you're giving 12 guys an opportunity to represent their country, you know, there's 30 or 40 guys there that are extremely disappointed and, and you know, wondering why they didn't get the chance. So it is extremely difficult and, you know, it's something that uh, we have to do, as I guess, as part of the role. Um, what, was, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, look, so yeah, just understanding how a selection process would work yep. um, just yep. to give, give, give those people an insight as to, to how it all happens. Yeah, absolutely. So we we have selectors appointed at the start of the tournament. So when we get to the tournament, we have a meeting at the start of the tournament with myself as the head coach and the other two selectors. We basically have to speak to all of the other coaches and we have to document this. So it's a fairly documented process through Cricket Australia. Um, we have to speak to all the other coaches and talk to them about the players' um, that they see as being the ones they would like us to look at. So effectively, we we give it a few days to try and give everyone a chance to play a few games and then the coaches will give us an idea of which which of their players they think we should look at. Uh, the selectors and I will sit down, you know, multiple times throughout the week, sometimes three, four, five times. We communicate by phone. We communicate by message. Uh, we also meet when we're playing each other and then when we're playing, uh, you know, other teams. So we have a lot of uh, unofficial meetings, but we also have our official meetings to try and nut out the, the squad. We typically go to a, a list of about 20 or so uh, eventually, and then it's the tough job of trying to look at uh, fielding positions, balance of the team, you know, do I have any left arm? 
arm bowlers, left arm batters, right arm bowlers, right arm batters, you know, front court fielders, rear court fielders. So we're really looking at balance at that point and trying to put together a team that covers all aspects. So when I go on tour, if I get a particular injury to a particular player, I've got coverage for it, uh, all that sort of thing. So there's a fair, fair bit of thought that goes into it. And, you know, unfortunately, some people miss out sometimes because I may have five front court fielders already in the team that, that we want to take away and, and he just happens to be another front court fielder and it just doesn't work from a balanced point of view. So sometimes guys miss out. And as you've got to understand, when we're at that level, we're, we're really splitting hairs between guys and some guys miss out by the smallest the smallest of margins. So it's also it's always a very difficult task. What's uh, something you look for in your elite players? For mine, I said this on stage, uh, I look for consistency. So some guys, you know, I didn't pick last year and they come back this year and play the same way and I can see that they're, it's part of, the way that they play is part of their game and, and they're very consistent in what they do. You know, take the likes of Rob Fitzgerald, you know, Vinesh we mentioned before, you look at those two guys and they're just, they give you the same every time. They, they do enough to uh, reinvent their game to still be effective as they're getting older through their careers but they're very, very consistent and it's something that I can bank on as a coach. I know I can say to Rob, I need you to open in this you know, national final and he's got no problems doing it. He, he'll go out there and give me exactly what I expect from him. So the consistency aspect is obviously very much there um, but I think one thing that I really look for in players is what they bring to the team. So something that can't be measured. It's something that I look at the player, see how they carry themselves, what their body language is like, how they inspire their teammates around them to to try and lift their teammates without even trying. You know, there's those sorts of people that have just got this X factor or this this um, thing that's very difficult to measure. What they bring to the team is something that I really look for because I know when things get tough when we're on tour and we're in New Zealand and we're up against it, uh, I know that these guys aren't going to be kicking the can in the corner and, you know, dropping their lip. They're going to be doing whatever they can to get their teammates up to win. So they're the little things that I like to look for. So, look, there's there's many attributes or many things to consider when you're selecting your teams. You know, you can look at incumbency and previous experience, you know, the tournament they're actually playing and, and, you know, do you start to look towards the future? You know, there's three aspects. How much weight do each of those have? Yeah, look, they've all got weight. Uh, it all comes into consideration and, as I said before, that's, that's what adds to the fact that it's a very difficult job to, to try and uh, piece all this together and pick these teams. But um, certainly previous experience and all that sort of thing is, is comes into play. Uh, it's very it's very important but it also, you know, I've been given a task to, to pick a side to win the next World Cup, which is next year in Australia. So for mine, I have to, uh, exactly what you said, keep an eye on the future as well and I'm pretty excited to, to be bringing things through a couple of guys now into that open men's setup for Australia that I've coached in the under-21s level that have been through that process. So it's really good to see some of those guys going from the under-21s and having a lot of success there and then working their way into the open men's setup. So definitely got my eye set for the future because that's the task that I've been given by Cricket Australia to win that World Cup next year. Okay, so you're definitely building towards that in 2020. So that's uh, something for everyone to look forward to. Um, so this year, going on a tour, Trans-Tasman over New Zealand, um, obviously looking forward to this trip. What are you looking forward to most? Well, one of the one of the big things is coming up against my old mate, Lee Kelly. Uh, they've got a new coach. Lee Kelly's taken over as their head coach and, and I've taken over as the as the head coach for Australia. So it's, it's going to re- renew a rivalry that we've had for many years. We played against each other for the first time in 2008. He played a lot of Opens before that for New Zealand, but he played Masters in 2008 and I captained against him and, and we, we beat them over there. And um, the next World Cup in Australia, he came over and captained them again. And I think the last couple of tours I've had for Australia 
as um, 21's coach. He's been their 21's coach as well. So, you know, we've, we've got a great rivalry, a massive amount of respect for each other, and I'm looking forward to, to that continuing when we go there. But certainly, as I mentioned before, going to another country and playing them in their country is often difficult. He'll have the, the pick of his players to, to go with being at home and there's no travel aspect in, involved. So, you know, I expect them to be a massive challenge and, and I think it's just playing them at home is, is the biggest aspect of that. Yeah, look, um, yeah, look. there's always that rivalry and friendship and I'm sure, you know, there'll, there'll be intense rivalry at the time but you'll sit down and, ha- and have a good chat as well. So one thing I seem to have noticed at the elite level, whether it be at our nationals here in Australia or even some of the international events, the competition seems to be getting a little bit closer. Um, like, you know, for, for such a long period from an Australian point of view, we've, we've shown a lot of dominance. But for me, a lot of the other countries are getting a bit closer. Um, do you agree with this sentiment? And, and what do you think the reasoning behind that is? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Uh, I, I see it at national level, especially. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot more closeness to the games now, and and I, I think the biggest thing that I believe has been the big change in our sport has been going to six ball overs. That's been the thing that's brought everybody closer together. And I know when we went to that, I knew from a Queensland perspective that it was going to bring the states a lot closer to us. Um, it puts a lot more importance on bowling and and being able to not give away freebies and and obviously when you're batting wickets, you know every wicket is is very difficult to recoup once you're uh, losing five runs and you've only got six balls to face. Uh, back in the the glory days of the eight ball overs, you could get out once and over and still hit eight or ten off the over. Whereas now, unless you're playing big shots, um, that's not achievable. So I'm finding teams are. are backing themselves a little bit more now and, and probably, you know, going for it a little bit. And I think that's paying dividends. And we're seeing that with scores now still in the hundreds, which we thought when we went to six ball overs that we'd be lucky to have scores of 80. And I suppose when everything's going well, uh, you'll see in the men's final this year, you know, the, the scores were, you know, 70 to 60 and that type of thing. So those types of scores probably wouldn't have happened in eight ball overs. So I think the six ball over formats brought us a lot closer. Yeah. So, I mean, at a, at a national level, um, you mentioned that it is getting much closer and a little bit tighter. I mean, and you've, you've indicated that the uh, change of number of balls in the over is contributed to that. Obviously, in recent time, we've had the uh, National Indoor Cricket League here in, in Australia. Um, do you think that's contributed as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's giving everybody a chance to play at the top level. I, I think the biggest change I've seen in it with the clubs I'm associated with and you know, knowing a lot of the guys in Queensland, everybody's training now. And I know Previously, there wasn't a lot of that. So there wasn't a lot of A-grade teams or, you know, top-level teams at each club that would actually train. And I noticed that since NICL has been around, not only are our A-grade players training, but it's having a flow-on effect to the lower-grade players. And I'm seeing B-grade and C-grade and D-grade even all training now. So I think it's had a, a really big impact on each of the clubs. And I think a lot of the clubs are starting to see the benefits of that. It's making our competition stronger. And obviously, you know, that's that's benefiting us when we get to, to national and international level. Yeah, it certainly is. Obviously, um, you know, this is the sport which you hold very dear and, and you've been involved with for a fair period of time. What do you think the future holds for our sport? We'll break it down into two sections here. And firstly, at the elite level, what, what do you think the future holds? Look, I think it's – I'd like to think that it'll get to a point where all of the great work that we're doing with, with you know, things like the Yellow Ball podcast, with all the live streaming that we have, that 
all that content is going to be picked up by somebody and perhaps, you know, eventually Cricket Australia may have some additional sponsorship that they can throw so we can get the game back on television. I think that would be fantastic for the sport and I think that would take it to the next level. I know as a as a purist of indoor cricket, I love watching indoor cricket on TV and on the live stream and, I, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good product. Um, how we get between where we are now and to that, I'm not certain and, and hopefully, you know, CA have got plans for that and, you know, I do sit on the HP committee and I know that, you know, there is a little bit of um, interest in that regard. But, yeah, w- what happens, I'm not too sure. But if, if it was me and, I, you know, if I could tell you one thing that I'd like to see and I think a lot of people echo the sentiment is that they'd love to see the game on TV so we can get a little bit more exposure. But I've always had that that realisation that the, it's a chicken and egg scenario. You know, we can't get a sponsor because we're not on TV and we can't get on TV because we don't have a sponsor. So until, you know, somebody breaks that mould, I think um, we continue with what we're doing. We're certainly making a lot of inroads, NICL, podcasts, you know, live streaming. I think we're doing whatever we can. So we're definitely headed in the right direction as far as I can see. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that many people invest in the industry would like to see. And, and we are getting there, undoubtedly. Um a little bit more hard work to go, but we're making the right step forward. What about at a domestic level? Um, obviously, from you know, uh, being involved in the industry myself, we've probably seen over the last ten or so years a bit of a downturn in numbers, and you know, there's probably been a stabilisation of that, and hopefully, it's starting to grow. What do you think the future holds at a domestic level? Look, I'd like to think that it'd stay firm and, and somehow we could increase numbers. I mean, you and I are both business owners and we know what it's like um, with, with the numbers for indoor cricket and you hear about the heyday of indoor cricket when, you know, they were just indoor cricket centres and you had, you know, every night was full of cricket and you had, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 teams on a wait list and if somebody turned up and didn't pay their game fees, they were kicked out and the next team were brought in. I mean, to me, that's, as a business owner in the industry, it seems unfathomable to, to have that um, ability to have that many indoor cricket teams. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to see it get back to even, you know, even to a point where we had full full nights of indoor cricket and, and, you know, we don't have to diversify as much and try other other sports, but I, I guess that's the nature of the industry now and, you know, I, I don't know, I think uh, just getting people back playing indoor cricket would be fantastic. I don't know how to how to share their mind, their mind with all the other things that are available to them. There's obviously, you know, entertainment in your fingertips now. You can watch sport on your mobile phone. You can do so many things and, and I guess people's money are going towards things like that. So, uh, yeah, how we get them off the couch and get them back into our sports centres playing indoor cricket. If, if you come up with the answer, I'd love you to share it with me. <laughs> I know, I'm sure many others would too. And, you know, and probably, again, these scenarios are fairly similar. I think if we did get that opportunity to get more exposure and get onto TV, it's probably going to lead to an increase in domestic participation as well. So yeah. chicken and egg, if we can get that onto that uh, into that sort of marketplace and, and people see it more frequently and, and see a pathway to be on TV, well, then... Actually, that will encourage that uh, domestic level as well. Yep. Um, what if there was any change you could make to indoor cricket, whether it be a rule or an administration or marketing? What would you like to see us do differently as an indoor cricket community? Oh, look, I, I think we're we're really heading in the right direction. I, I think the introduction of the NICL is just 
been great. It's a national concept. You know, I can talk to people now that don't know anything about indoor cricket and say that I've got a club team that plays in a national league and that type of thing. You know, we've got sponsorship from external companies and that sort of thing. So I, I think I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. I, I think the marketing, if there's a way that we can possibly get those club cricketers, outdoor cricketers to come in and play indoor cricket in the off-season. I mean, I, th- I know you and I have had discussions about this at length, uh, but I certainly think that if there's a way we can market to them to be able to get them to come into the sport and, and give us more players to, to pick from, you know, not only at our clubs, but then it filters through all the way through to national and international, um, that would be fantastic. So as a business owner, I'd love to see, you know, as I say, more nights full of people playing indoor cricket. And, and as, a, as a coach of an Australian team, I'd love to know that there were more people available for me to select from uh, that, that perhaps haven't considered indoor cricket but are very, very good cricketers in their own right. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, what the answer is, but, you know, I think we're definitely making um, the right steps and I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, and we're seeing it more and more now at a national level, um, getting a lot more BBL and women's BBL players playing in, in that and that's obviously really good for marketing and cross-promotion as well. So yeah. hopefully we continue to see that grow. Yeah. Real tough question for you now, mate, to bring it up to the end. Um, what do you, you know, obviously you've got a, a lot of experience as a player and a lot of experience as a coach. What would you suggest for the young up-and-comer or someone that's looking to make that transition from a domestic or Super League level into a national setup and into an Australian setup? What's the best advice you can give those players? Practice, you know, um, it's not just indoor cricket, it's any sport. You know, you look at the people that make the elite level, if, if anyone wants to transition into an elite level, they have to they have to put the hours in and, and refine their, their skills. You know, my, take my daughter, she's, she's a 15-year-old swimmer. She swims eight or nine sessions a week, you know, some days four hours a day, two hours in the morning, two hours at night, up at five o'clock to do it. She's still got school and all that stuff to balance. So you sort of look at anyone that has to, to you know, or has a, a goal to achieve at the very highest level, it just doesn't get handed to you. So for mine, you look at um, anyone who's successful in sport and if we bring it back to indoor cricket, I'll use the same two guys that I mentioned before in Rob Fitzgerald and Vinesh Bennett. You know, they I know that the two of them spend hours and hours and hours from the start of the season all the way through to when they go to nationals and it's no... Um, you know, trick that they've had the success that they've had. They've put in the hours, they work on their game, they relentlessly work on it, they help other people, you know, they mentor younger guys, they mentor guys in their team. They just want to see the best for their team when they go away. But for themselves, they set themselves very high standards and they stick to it. And I think that's the way to get from a domestic player through to the next level. You've got to really step up your your standards of your, your discipline, of your training and, you know, all the things that you can work on to make yourself a better player. Talk to people, talk to people that have been there before try and gain as much as experience as you can and just always know that you've, you've never you've never got it covered you can always learn more you can always learn new tricks you can always refine yourself to continually get better and I think that that goes for any elite sportsman look mate um really like to thank you for this opportunity to have a chat uh, I know you and I do quite frequently we just sit here for hours and talk about indoor cricket and, and what we both think so look I really appreciate your time mate and I uh, really hope the uh, listeners of the Yellow Bull podcast get some benefit from this and, and get an understanding of you know it's not an easy job being a selector it's not an easy job being a coach but hopefully it gives some insight for those uh, listeners and and thank you very much and appreciate your time. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks, David. Well, some really incredible insights there and that's a really must listen to if you call yourself an indoor cricket fan. A big thanks to Brenton and Stephen for their efforts. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball.
Ball Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that wraps up the Yellow Ball Podcast for another week. I did uh, make mention last week I was going to try and come up with some funky new way to end the podcast, but I've decided um, it's just too hard. Juzzy will um, put on a pot of coffee, put on the think tank, get out the butcher's paper. We'll come up with something. But, um, you know, thanks again, as always, uh, for your company this week. Next week, we head down to Casey Stadium, the lovable, the likable Casey Stadium. Um, We've been down there a few times already this year. And um, to my knowledge, at least, that'll be the end of the live streaming for the NICL for 2019. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that one, but I'm almost certain that's the case. Uh, There'll be a couple of weeks of live stream break, and then it will be to the big one at Toomble, Action Indoor Sports Toomble, in fact, the first weekend of September, where live streams will be going on like a madman. There will be so much content coming your way. Don't forget, next week, Brianna Binch is going to be on the show, as will Willie Brinks. Let's not forget about him, the South African player who made the World 8 side at the World Cup and was also voted Most Valuable Player. So big shows coming up, but don't go anywhere. So on behalf of your host, Gary Lowe, and your podcast producer, Justin Rulon, thank you very much for stopping by, and we look forward to seeing you next week on the Yellow Ball podcast you've been listening to the yellow ball podcast proudly supported by cricket australia get in touch with us anytime yellow ball podcast at gmail.com my name's gary oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh gee almost got there <laughs> fine you're <throat> <laughs> that'd be good for the uh, bloopers real mate yeah.